0: Fact of the matter is, you are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity.
3: This is Stu and this is Stupotomy.
1: Here we go, Jim. Today...
2: All right, welcome into Stupidity. Billy and Mikey A are here. Uh, Billy Walters is going to join us. He's the Michael Jordan of gambling. Uh, I'm really excited for this. Billy, you seem to be excited for Billy Walters. He is just going to spill the beans on Phil Mickelson. <laughs> I can't wait for this. <laughs> That's kind of mean. I mean, it seems like a little, a little What do you rough. mean it's kind of mean? I mean,
1: Phil's Phil lost, what, he gambled like a billion dollars? It seems like a problem at this point.
2: Oh, Phil. But you you said it's kind of mean that Billy Walters is using Phil Mickelson to sell a book.
1: I wouldn't say such a thing.
2: Well, Well, Chris Russo did. I mean, he said that. (laughs) Yeah, well... Anyway,
1: where are you? You're in Buffalo?
2: (laughs) What was that? What kind of transition was that? Why are you sprinting away from A hard one. A hard (laughs) transition. (laughs) Do you feel like Billy Walters used Phil Mickelson to sell books? I'm just asking you a question. We'll find
1: out when we talk to Billy, I guess. Yeah. You think Billy's going to acknowledge that he did? (laughs) No, but I think maybe Billy will sell the book and then we'll be like, oh, yeah, you know what? No, that wasn't what happened at
2: all. All right. You know? Okay. I'm in Buffalo. I'm just outside of Buffalo in Rochester, New York, to answer your question, since you didn't answer mine. <laughs>
1: well, I have another question Lovely. for you. I have another question for you related to the yeah. first one. Sure. If you had a, a spill the beans book or situation, whose beans would you be spilling?
2: Oh, wow. All levitards. I mean, yeah. The levitard beans. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of beans, though, levitard. I mean, yeah. he doesn't. You know? uh beans beans to spill if uh, he did have a lot of beans to spill, firm. though
1: you you wouldn't sell them you wouldn't say them now like now you say there's no beans and then when it's beans filling time then you spill the beans right
2: well, i'll figure out the beans once i get to bean filling time um Got it. i was yeah. gonna say you gotta start selling this now if you're eventually gonna do it you gotta say hey listen there's some beans like i'm not gonna talk about it and then you wait and then you keep building it up and then you eventually release the book all right. And there could be no beans, but as long as everybody buys the book, what do you tease care? the beans. Well, all right. So there are a few beans. I'll work them out, okay? I'll get to them. But I am like It has to be someone big that people care about, right? Like Billy Walters wrote about a lot of other things, but the the thing that everyone's latching onto is Phil Mickelson because he's interesting and people want to know about his gambling habits. You have to spill the beans on someone that people are interested in, right? Like I can't. Like, what's the point of spilling beans on I don't know Hank Goldberg? He's no one cares. He's he's passed away. He's gone. Ouch. What do you mean? Too soon?
1: Yeah, a little bit.
2: He died, Billy.
1: No, I know. I'm aware of it.
2: So. Who would you spill the beans on? Everyone? I
1: don't know. I don't think I'm a bean spiller.
2: Oh, you are? Am I? I, I feel like you would... Listen, desperate times call for desperate measures. If you, if you had the beans and you needed money and you needed to spill the beans, you would spill the beans.
1: Well, why are you putting me in this position? Why do you put, have me in desperate times? What are your intentions here?
2: I don't understand. I, I only, what I'm saying is that perhaps you're correct, okay? That you are not a bean spiller. But if you were desperate and needed the money and you had the beans to spill on somebody, I feel like you and just about anyone would spill those beans. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Don't be offended. That's fine. (laughs) It's fair, right? Would you? Yeah. Yeah. On who? Whoever. Whoever would get me the most money. Okay. I feel like if you're going to do it, you got to go all the way. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to protect this guy. and I'm going to protect this guy. Like, if you're going to do it, you just got to go full heel. And just Name build. the upper-level management guy at ESPN you would spill the beans on.
1: <laughs> I feel like Mikey's strategy. Of, <laughs> Billy
2: Bell out.
1: I feel like Mikey's strategy of you need to start like teasing for build-up, and then there's nothing is exactly what happened with the UF doc, right? Where I was like, oh my god, like we're gonna get a documentary on this team that everybody's wanted for years. What was really going on there? And then nothing was really revealed.
2: Right. Well, I mean, this stuff happened. They just didn't reveal it. You're right, Billy. It's a good point. Yes. Uh, the UF documentary, is it's, it's so disappointing. It makes Urban Meyer look like this great football coach. And Tebow, who already looks good, like he doesn't need. But Tebow looks great, like the legend of Tebow. But really, I think the disappointing part is that, man, you know what, Urban Meyer is at this point. And somehow, they made Urban Meyer look good. None of the off-the-field stuff that you wanted is in that documentary. It was very disappointing. Urban it's would spill the beans on everyone, right? It's not a documentary. It's a highlight reel. That's that's really yes. what it is. And those teams were great. They were fantastic. They were talented. They were exciting sure. to watch. They were in the national championship conversation every single year. Uh, Tebow, as I've pointed out several times on our show, was kind of like a halo over that. Over that, No one was paying attention to the crap that was going on everywhere else because everyone was just focused on Tim Tebow. And so that, in addition to what he did on the field, is why he is such a legend. Uh, in college football. So uh, Urban Meyer, classic bean spiller, right? I mean. (laughs) He's
1: the rare bean spiller that has more beans to be spilled on him, I think, than on others. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Urban is defending many people. I think people are kind of defending Urban in the sense that, like, in a bean spilling situation, Urban has more things that should be spilled than he has on other
2: people, I would think. Right. Right. Uh, but I think I feel like Urban has a lot on a lot of people, though I do.
1: But what they have on him is worse. So, like, right. what's gonna so, happen there?
2: <laughs> the staring contest. Who's gonna blink first? It's
1: yeah, and also like I feel like the beans that he has, people care about less than the beans on him.
2: It's mutually assured destruction. You can spill the beans on Urban, but he's probably got some stuff on you. That, and that's my point. We're both going to go down. Yeah. Listen, he might not be a bean spiller, but what he is, Billy, is a bean collector. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's got beans on everyone, and gotcha. if you release the beans on Urban, Mikey is right. He is going to come back with ten times the fury and release the beans on you. You know. I have a question for you. Yeah. So did you Rochester? Did
1: you? What? Oh, sorry. Did you, ever, um, did you ever as a kid have magic beans as a toy? I feel like that was a thing earlier no. in, in the world. No? No. I feel like that was one of those things. Magic beans is one of those things that you'd send away for. You see like in a magazine, you send like whatever, $1. fifty, and they send you quote-unquote magic beans, and it was just like whatever they were, like actual beans, and you had to believe that something magical would happen. Never had them. Hmm. Mikey? Sorry. I don't even know what you're talking about. You guys have never heard of magic beans? Am I a crazy? I, guy? I, I would I have, have to Google, be, Google other than Google. Jack
2: and the Beanstalk and no, hold on a <laughs> Jelly beans. whatever, whatever beans was in that chili. Buy magic beans. I'm looking up magic beans right now. Maybe it will jar my memory. Hold on. Yeah. Magic huh. beans. I mean we don't have to just like
1: let people who are listening to this wait around for us to Google magic beans. You could just, you know, pretend I never asked a dumb question and move on. <laughs> <That's very nice. laughs>
2: All right. Well Billy Walters, some claim that he has spilled the beans here on Phil Mickelson. I don't think he did. I mean everyone is kinda kind of, well, kind of aware did. of uh, he definitely of Phil- spilled
1: the beans. What do you mean you don't think he did?
2: Well Alan Shopnick did the I mean the story the, the book before and we had the author on kinda of spilled the beans before before Billy spilled the beans. But you're right. He spills the beans. You're right. What am I, I don't know what I'm doing here. You threw me off, Billy, because I can't. I, you know what? I don't know if you feel bad for Mickelson or you're disappointed in Walters for spilling the beans and using Mickelson.
1: Got to be honest with you. I don't know either. <laughs> it's one of those that we'll talk to Billy and then we'll kind of figure out how we feel. We'll regroup and this
2: is how we feel, you know? All right. So let's many talk- beans. <laughs> so yeah. many beans. Let's talk to uh, Billy Walters about beans. You got to hear from my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice-cold Miller Lite. So we have
3: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467 In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?
2: Very excited to talk to this gentleman. His name is Billy Walters. He is the uh, the Michael Jordan of gambling. We'll get to that in a second. He also has a new book out, uh, Gambler, Secrets from a Life at Risk. Uh, Billy, let's start right there with the book. And thank you for joining us, by the way. Uh, Why did you decide to write this book?
0: Well, uh, Stu, I'm not getting any younger. I'm 77 years old, and uh, I wrote this book. It's an autobiography uh, of, of my life. And uh, I wanted to share this with people who are, you know, Or had issues with addiction, people who have problems in their life. Uh, And I'm also at a point in time in my life that, uh, you know, legalized sports betting in the majority of the states of the United States has become a reality. And, you know, that's been my dream for a long time. And uh, so, in the book, I wanted to – everything that I know about sports betting and my experience, 100% of it's in the book. It's called The Masterclass. And I primarily wrote this, to for average bettors. Uh, the Masterclass, uh, the professional, other professionals, there's things in there for them also I think will, will help them. But I primarily wrote it for average bettors and people are just beginning to bet sports because of the expansion of, of sports in the U.S. And I can see – some things out there that I want to address in regards to that. I also went to federal prison. I was convicted of insider trading. I had a friend who, uh, I I feel like, betrayed me. And uh, I went, uh, I I was in prison. And, you know, although maybe like a lot of people, I thought I knew or understood something about prison. When I went to prison, what I realized was I knew nothing about prison. And I thought I knew what freedom meant. But until I went into prison. Uh, I never really knew about freedom either. And, uh, and the men that I was in prison with, uh, some of the things that I learned in regards to their lives and, and things such as that, uh, it
2: was just uh, mind boggling to me. What would you learn about prison yeah. that you didn't know before you went in?
0: Well, uh, again, I thought I understood basic freedom, uh, you know, and, uh, but once I got into prison, when you, all of your freedom was completely taken away and you have none, I mean, zero. I mean, uh, when you're told what time to go to bed, when you're told what you know, everything everything that it possibly is, and your choices in regards to, you know, even toothpaste, things like that, it's uh, they're all taken away from you, Stu, and and so. From, you know, that's what I've learned about prison. Clearly, there's nothing good about prison. I'm not saying that we don't need prisons. There's people that clearly need to be in prison. But I met a lot of men in there that I mentored. And the thing that just absolutely brought me to my knees was I, I met men that had been in prison, some of them as well, as 25 years. And these men did not want to go back to prison under any circumstances. But I would spend a lot of one-on-one time with them, especially the closer they got to the door. And, uh, you know, it was, it was traumatic for them because a lot of them didn't even know how to use the cell phones, too. But the thing that they feared the most, they, they had no way to make a living. They had no job skills whatsoever to make a living. The only thing they knew was a life of crime. And I, I think deep down they, they, they knew that in order to feed their families or survive, that's what they would probably have to do. And that's what really opened my eyes. And so when I got out of prison... Uh, I made sure, in, in my mind, I was going to make sure that I, I would everything in my power to try to change things for people who actually deserve a second chance. I started working with Senator Harry Reid in, in, in Nevada, uh, and he and I were working together, and my goal was, was to put vocational schools inside of federal prisons, And I offered to put up the first million dollars in my own money, and I wanted to put vocational schools in there for electricians, for plumbers, air-conditioned repairmen, and truck drivers. And uh, unfortunately, Senator Reed, he passed away from pancreatic cancer, and we didn't get that done. But then I got introduced to a program in Las Vegas that's called Hope for Prisoners. And I was introduced to, to it by the ex, actually the ex-sheriff of Clark County, which is Las Vegas. His name was Bill Young. And I met a guy named John Ponder. He started this organization in 2012. And I was blown away with how good this organization was. The recidivism rate for Hope for Prisoners, uh, Stu, uh, and they've been there since 2012, is 7%. So when I saw, it, you know, what, what it was, um, again, you know, my dream was to put vocational schools in uh, prison. So I worked with John and uh, initially, made some resources available, they expanded their facilities, but then most recently we worked with the governor of Nevada, Governor Joe Lombardo, and the head of corrections there, and we're now putting vocational schools in state prisons in the back. And so that is, I can't say I am about that, and uh, I'm just so proud to be associated with Hope for Prisoners.
2: Uh, Were you able to, I'm sure you were, uh, was there a lot of gambling going on in prison?
0: As far as I'm concerned, uh, I knew there was some public gambling going on, but I wasn't... uh, Remotely involved with it, frankly, and I—I I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but whatever they were gambling for in prison, I, I would have had no interest in it to start with. Uh, that's number one. Number two, you can imagine I was a pretty high-profile prof- person in there, so sure. uh, I wanted to be about as far away from it as I could be. And then on top of that, uh, on weekends, uh, I had visitation every weekend I was there, Stu. Unlike a lot of these men, who sixty who, percent of men in, in, in federal prisons do never get a visit. I mean, I realized how fortunate I was when I was in there. I had, I had resources. I had lots of friends. Uh, I really didn't lose a friend because I went to prison, because most people who know me, they know my background. And My, my wife, at for 47 years, she visited me uh, almost every weekend, 99% of, of the time she was there either Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, you no, know, uh, the entire time I was in prison, I only watched one football, football game in its entirety, it was a Super Bowl. So uh, when sports was being played, I was in visitation number one and number two. The last thing I wanted to do was be involved in any kind of prison gambling. But yes, there was something going on.
2: So you watched a full Super Bowl in prison. They allow that in prisons. Just, just the game is that big that even prisoners can watch it.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, we uh, we went to. Uh, this this big room and uh, they had TV set up in there and you could bring uh, food if you had food or whatever and uh, it was uh, uh, it, it was something that all the guys really enjoyed they really got into it and uh, and it was the only time it was once a year but uh, but they did allow inmates to uh, have, there were two Super Bowls the first one I tried to watch they cut it off before it was over mm-hmm. uh, but the second one
2: they yeah and 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 then the second one they played it in its entirety why they cut it off, though? First off, which Super Bowl was it, and why'd they cut it off? It was Philly and
0: uh, – Philly and uh, I think it was Philly and uh, – The Raiders? It, uh, nah, I, I, I was only in there for 31 months, so uh, uh, I, I just remember there was one they cut off. And, and, and when they cut it off, they only cut it off about two minutes to go. Really, all the action took place in the last two minutes. So uh, we not only missed the last part of the game, but it was the one that had the most action involved with it.
2: Why they cut it off, though, like, was curfew well, people getting out of hand what happened no people weren't getting out of hand people
0: were you know they they were very orderly they in prison you have counts uh, at different times of the day too the prison i was in at four o'clock every afternoon you have to be standing by your bunk at nine o'clock every night you have to be standing by your bunk and then they do counts at 12 o'clock two o'clock and four o'clock in the morning and then on the weekends they do a 10 o'clock a.m count also so the game was up against uh, one of the count counts. And instead of allowing it to run over and people get back, they call it because people had to be back in their, in their barracks for count.
2: Got it. Uh, Billy, are you with me? Because gambling, as you mentioned earlier, gambling's become mainstream, too mainstream for me. Uh, I miss the days where I would meet some guy in an alley. He'd hand me a bag of cash or I'd hand him a bag of cash. I want to feel like I'm about to get arrested. What do you think?
0: Well, uh, here, here's what I think. I actually got arrested four times, and I got indicted four times for betting on ball games. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, my old, I got arrested the first time in, uh, in 1990. Uh, my wife of 47 years, I saw her taken out of the front of our home with handcuffs and leg irons on for betting on ball games. So I went through four indictments. I spent millions and millions of dollars. Uh, I prevailed on all four indictments because once the truth came out I was I was exonerated. But the problem was was in a couple of things. The first indictment, I think law enforcement merely didn't understand the difference between organized betters and organized bookmakers. We were the first group of organized betters. After that, I think it kind of became a, a vindictive type of thing and and, uh, and and that was what happened. So from that perspective, Stu, I'm really glad to see that we have legalized sports betting. That hopefully nobody else gets arrested and taken out of their home uh, and see their wife in that kind of condition for merely right. No,
2: I, I understand that. I I, I just yeah. got to miss those days, you
0: know. No, no, I miss them too. And I, I tell you, the other part that I miss about it, uh, Stu, and, and I think you know uh, you've been around. I can see that, and I think you probably really relate to this. You know, back in those days, there were thousands of, of bookies throughout. the united states and you know small guys and a lot of guys you could bet with you had there are a lot of various options Uh, today what's happened in legalized sports betting is there's there's some things that have been good about this but the problem is we created a monopoly you've only got a very small number of places that are actually bookmakers and as a result uh, the customer the uh, the resident of whatever state they're in uh they're the ones that are really losing out because you know if, if you remember Stu, back it wasn't that long ago two team parlays paid a dollar 80 they were nine to five
2: right
0: now now two team parlays are, are 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 12 to five they're only paying you 260. and then you know six point teasers used to be even money now six point teasers some of them charge as much as a dollar thirty well, what ha- what's kind of happened here, and well, not kind of, what has happened here, you know, there's no truth in lending when when it comes to advertising a price on a sporting event. And the fact of the matter is, one of the primary reasons I wrote this was because of the new and the average better. Most people, when they make a bet on a, on a ball game, they're betting on, under the pretense they're laying a dollar ten to a dollar. Well, that isn't the case. If you make make a bet on a game, you know, a point credit game, that's the case. But if you're betting on parlays or teasers you're laying as much as a dollar 35 on some of these games you know so essentially the average better uh bottom line is they've got uh, very little chance of winning to start with a matter of fact if, if they're one of these guys that has one place they're betting and they're not shopping around getting bet- the best numbers and they don't understand anything all about betting strategy i'll just i'll just tell you they got no chance of winning uh but you know that's another reason I wrote the book. In there, I put in a I put in a basic betting strategy. It's the same thing I've done my entire life. Is and that is get as many accounts as you can, shop around and make sure you at least get the best number. And if you're going to buy half a point, I, you know I put in I put in uh, I put all that information there. You can see whatever half points work and what you got to find out is some half points are worth more than the other because certain points are more valuable than others. And then the other thing is I put in a comparison of how point spreads compare to money lines. So in that, that way you can take a look at them and see which one is the best deal. And if you want to buy at a point, you know, if you can buy it for the fair amount of money or less, buy it. If you don't, you're better off passing it. And the other thing I did, too, is I put a money management system in there because even if you're a recreational bettor, if you're a guy who's got a job you love sports, you want to bet on sports, and you know, you need to have some kind of a plan. But the other thing you need you need to be able to get a fair price on whatever you're betting on and have some sort of a strategy to do it. So that's, as I wrote my book, early on in my life, I was addicted to, to, to gambling, and I went through some issues with it, and I shared that in the book. And uh, fortunately for me, uh, there are a number of things that happened. Number one, I, I married uh, I've married my wife 47 years ago, it was the best thing I ever did in my life, and, I, I, quit, I quit alcohol, and uh, then I, I partnered up with a really smart guy that understood money management. And a combination of those things, is, that's how I was able to turn myself around. And, uh, but, uh, again, my primary reason for writing this, from a sports standpoint, it was for the beginning and average better.
2: The book is Gambler Secrets from a Life at Risk. Uh, I love to buy a hook. Like, I love to buy the half point down. My staff makes fun of me all the time, especially Mike Ryan. Am I an idiot for buying that half point?
0: No, you're not an idiot at all if you buy it at a fair price, you know. And in 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 the books, Stu, you know, I, I put in uh, a chart. And it shows you exactly what every half point is worth buying. And if you want to. You know, if you want to pay more than that, so be it. But you're instead of laying eleven to ten, you're, you're laying more than eleven to ten. But I'll give you an example: the number three in the NFL. Okay, uh, if you uh, want to bound to a tie, say say the game's two and a half, and you want to take three. Mm-hmm. That's worth that's worth twenty two cents to buy twenty two extra cents. So it's worth three minus thirty two. Okay, if, if you're buying off of three and you want to go to two and a half, you want to go to three and a half, that's worth twenty cents. So it tells you the exact you know fair value both ways and then you make if you can buy it for less than that or or you can buy it for that amount of money you want to do it go for it if they want to charge you an extra 30 cents three minus 35 or three minus 40 it's a bad deal you shouldn't do it but every point in there i've put the true value of what you know what the fair price is for half a point and because honestly stu i haven't been able to find any place yet that you can go and see how these things compare and what the equivalents are. That's the reason I put them in the book because right, right now it's amazing to me. Here we are, we've got millions of people betting sports. Everyone thinks they're wearing 11, 11 to 10, but, but they're involved in certain things. They're laying they're way more than 11 to 10, and they don't know it. That's the reason parlays and teasers are the most profitable things that these sports books have uh, because, again, they're getting a dollar thirty, $1.30, dollar thirty five on a lot of, a lot of these pets. And the public doesn't know that. Now, if you know, you know, you're landing dollar, thirty five and you want to do it, fine, go we'll do it. You know, you're not you know, the chance of you winning are much much less, but but at least now you know. You you know what the fair price is. You're no longer, I would say, flying an airplane in the dark. You know, you you know exactly where you're going.
1: Billy, the thing that we make fun of with Stugatz is that he will buy <laughs> oh, down.
2: Oh, here we go. A couple of Billys cutting it up. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Baby. He'll yeah. buy
1: down a something from, like, two to one and a half or something, right? And then he'll give his prediction for the game, and he's like, the team's going to win by eight. And we're like, well, why are you buying down half <laughs> points if you're so convinced that they're going to blow out the other team? It I seems stick like a you're gambling. wasting money. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, I, I better leave that one alone. Sounds like hmm. you guys, but I will take. I will say this: uh, I don't ever recall buying one from two to one and a half. But if it were cheap enough, I would.
2: And that's the reason I put the. I never do that, Billy. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. yeah, but well, I mean, but uh, you know, if, if the price were to be cheap enough, it would actually you'd have value doing that. But 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 the numbers, you know, most of us look at are threes and sevens and tens, and, you know, the game's six and a half. Clearly, you want to take seven. If the game's nine and a half, you want to take ten. And I've also put in, in the order, I've put the, uh, the, the 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 most important numbers there in, in, in order, like, you know. And so uh, I'll give you an example, three. A, t- a team is favored in the NFL by three. They'll win that game, uh, you know, uh, they're going to win that game uh, a much larger – they're going to win that game about 12 – they're going to win that game exactly about 3%, 8% of the time. So you start and think about it. Miami's 3 over, over Uh or, or any other set of circumstances. Whoever's whoever's a three-point favorite, 8% of the time, they're going to win that game by three
2: points. So you can see how important three is. Uh, very important. How much money have you bet today, Billy?
0: I haven't bet anything today on sports. Uh, Same. I bet, I've been uh, – they've uh, – in regards to the book, uh, I've, I've been doing a few interviews with that, and I'm in New York. I'm a little bit under the weather, and uh, but I can tell you it's not going to be long to Toll Mates Leather, and uh, I'll be in action.
2: <laughs> of course you are. You're the Michael Jordan of gambling. How does it feel to be called the Michael Jordan of gambling?
0: Well, I'm honored to say the least, and, uh, and, and if I can fill those shoes, I'll I, I tell you what, it, uh, uh, that's, that's quite an honor is really all I can say.
2: Pretty damn cool. I want to get to your relationship here with Phil uh, in just a second, but I am wondering, what is the worst bet you've ever made, Billy? Uh, well, man, I'll tell you, I, I, <laughs> I made so many bad ones, I can't remember them all, Stu.
0: But, you know, after the fact, there's a lot of them look really bad. And, uh, you know,
2: I, before the fact, I can't think of any really bad ones i made, but after the fact, there were a ton of them. Sure. Uh, what's the most you've won in a single night or single day?
0: Uh, oh. Uh, I don't know exactly, but I you know at least four or five million bucks. Jesus
2: Christ, Billy's face! Right wait there. a minute, I don't <laughs> know exactly four. Five, My Billy, Billy. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. Well,
0: I, I, and and I told the story in the book. I, I bet three and a half million on New Orleans when they were playing uh, the Colts in the Super Bowl. But earlier in the year, i bet bet uh, which I won an extra two million dollars on them to win the Super Bowl. So when that game was over, I won $3.5 million in the straight bet I made. But I, the future bets, by them winning, I also won those. So it was a total of $5.5 million, and, and that would have been the one.
2: Jesus. What's the most you've lost in a day? Same number, same, roughly? Uh,
0: In sports, I don't know. I probably, you know... Two, two and a half million bucks, three. I've I've had some bad days. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, Anyway, I don't want to take up your time with it, but there was one Sunday and I had a really bad Sunday and I I actually had a home in Bonita Springs, Florida at the time and it'd been raining. It was overcast and and I'd had a a real back injury and I was taking some muscle relaxers and, and things for the pain and And the day was over when I got clean sheeted. I lost almost every game. And so I told my wife, I said, look, i got to get out and take a walk. So I walked down the end of the street and came back. I I, I could only walk about a half block. Well, I passed my house up, went to the house two doors down, went up and opened the door and went (laughs) in. But that was was the day that, uh, again, between, I guess, getting clean sheeted and uh, the back and the the muscle relaxers. uh, That's a day I'll never
2: forget.
1: Go ahead, do Billy. You, do you see people like Mattress Mac? I think this guy, Mattress Mac, a bit
2: of a clown. Mattress quack. I mean, <laughs>
1: guy's well. betting like $10 million on a game, and it seems like these things are with no rhyme or reason whatsoever. Loses all kinds of money. Doesn't seem to matter whatsoever to him.
0: Well, from what I understand, I really don't know all the facts, but he's using this to promote his business, mm-hmm. and I, and he makes these bets. And uh, if he wins, the people who buy products from him, they get they get those for free, and if they don't, uh, they you know they they pay whatever the normal price is. At least that's my understanding. And as a result, he's promote himself the, the, the casinos sportsbooks they want to promote him because they want to they want there to be more mattress mics and uh he, he's got a lot of publicity he seems like a really nice guy and, uh, but i think i think his betting is uh, i think it's more of promoting his business than it, than it is him mm-hmm. betting. at least that's what he said and that's what i understand
2: how about this Felica guy, the bear? Like you know, he told us to, you know, hard nine on the unders, you know, for quarter yeah. kicks in the world cup final. And it went way over. I mean, he's not good at this, is he? No.
0: I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, know, I don't, I don't
2: know him. So. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, you're, you're not missing off, much. Bro, let me yeah. tell you. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's costing me money, Billy. Uh, mm-hmm. What about Drake? What do you think about Drake's sports bets?
0: Well, I only know about what I read and, uh, I've I read a couple three things about those and, uh, Seems like he uh, he likes to play and looks like he plays high. So, But yeah. I really don't, I don't know much about his success or failure.
2: Uh, the new book is out. It's fasc- Your story is fascinating, Billy. Gambler: Secrets for My Life at Risk. Uh, I'm certain you've heard Chris Russo by now. What do you make of Russo getting upset? I mean, just taking a flamethrower to you, Billy, because he feels like you used Phil Mickelson to, to sell a book.
0: Well, evidently, Mr. Russo didn't read my book. Uh, Mm. First of all, any and all the money money that I earned from the book, 100% of it's going to charity. And uh, secondarily, anyone who knows me, uh, I don't need to make any money from my book. Uh, I did this book for the reasons that I pointed out, and if he knew the facts in regards to mine and Phil's relationship, he could understand why I had to explain it in the book. Uh, I believe... I would have never gone to prison if Philip came forward and testified. While I was in prison, my daughter committed suicide. So um, if he read the book, I think he would probably understand a little clearer what my motivation was for writing the book, uh, whether it be my early childhood, my early uh, gambling career, when I was addicted uh, to the four indictments that I went through for being a better, uh, and then... Uh, And then going to federal prison, if he reads the details of that, I think think he'll see pretty clearly where I wrote it. And he'll understand if he reads the book that uh, I I didn't need Phil Mickelson's uh, uh, to help me sell any books.
2: Have you heard from Phil?
0: No, sir. Well, since I got out of prison, I heard from him one time. I was at a club that we were both members at. And I was hitting balls on the range and I was headed to my cart. And he walked up to me with a big smile on his face. And uh, this was the first time I've seen him since I'd gotten out of prison. I didn't hear from him one time in prison, even, my, even when my daughter committed suicide. And he walks up and he said, oh, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're back playing golf. And, uh, and we had a few other uh, private words, and that was the last time I'd spoken to him. and Probably it will be the last time we'll speak.
2: Uh, if you wouldn't mind, Billy, I'd love for you to explain the nature of your relationship with Phil. Like the first time you met him, what was your impression of him? How would you guys get connected?
0: I played in the AT&T in 2006, and I made the cut, and I was playing on Sunday. Uh, my partner was Freddie Jacobson, and uh, Phil uh, was playing with Steve Lyons, who was with Ford Motor Company at the time, one of his sponsors. And the entire round of golf uh, uh all he, you know, he talked to me the entire round, and it was nothing – it was all about sports. And uh, it was clear he knew who I was, and, of course, I knew who he was. And I never saw him again until 2008. And uh, I played in, in the Wachovia Championship. I was invited there by Wachovia Bank because I, I was a client. And I played the Pro-Am with Jim Furyk. And I came in after the round, I walked in the locker room, and Phil approached me again. And he said, I understand you do partnerships. And I said, yeah, I do partnerships with lots of people uh, under certain circumstances, and I explained to them what they were. And then uh, afterward, we developed a partnership. It was a betting partnership that lasted five years. We had a friendship, but I I felt like we were friends for eight years. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I think I'm a pretty good judge of character. And uh, I think that's probably what uh, disappointed me and and hurt me the worst, is I thought he, first of all, I thought he was a stand-up guy. Uh, I've been around him enough, and, and uh, I thought he was a stand-up guy. I really did. And uh, and uh, and then this issue came up with this investigation in the Southern District of New York, an insider trading. Uh, and, uh, you know, in that court case, to, the biggest mistake I made, in retrospect, after playing 31 months of uh, of money more quarterback, I wish I had testified. But I didn't. And uh, and I can explain to you why I didn't. Uh, When the trial was coming to an end with the prosecution, there was only one witness against me. And this guy, uh, his name was Tom Davis. Two years before this, he had voluntarily met with the SEC and the FBI and told them emphatically, I did not give him any inside information. After that, they learned he had embezzled money for a better women's charity, he had filed a fraudulent tax return, and he'd actually given someone else inside information. So two years later, he he and his lawyer, they they, they put the Southern District. So he goes up there and he gets a former prosecutor and and he makes a deal with the Southern District. It, It took him 29 meetings with the FBI and the Southern District to get their story straight. Okay, that was the only witness that there was against me. Okay, prior to going to New York, I knew every fact about the case I was involved with. I may not be the smartest guy in the world, but I'm not stupid. If I'd have been guilty, or I thought I was guilty, I would have pre-bargained, I would have paid a fine, I would have taken a reduced sentence. I wouldn't have been a rap, but I would have done those things. It saved some money and and possibly not got as much time as I did. I went there. I've been in, in federal court a number of times, and I thought I understood that process as my lawyer in Las Vegas did. We really didn't understand uh, how things worked in federal court in the Southern District, and... Uh, but once we got there, um, the lawyers who were representing me, would, uh, at, toward the end of the trial, they said, look, uh, we have 23 witnesses to call, and including me. And they said, look, we've got this case won. Uh, this guy has no credibility. And they were right about that. I watched it every day. They caught the guy in at least 25 lives. And they said, if the jury can't believe this guy, they cannot convict you. And uh, so... I agreed with them it was my choice it was my final choice i said okay we've been in trial for three and a half weeks they stopped the trial on multiple occasions people were sleeping one, one of the jurors had said next week he was out of there he had something he had to go do he was in the it was the weather had been horrible uh and there was a, a holiday weekend coming up and so that was a decision we made i didn't testify we wrapped it up Bottom line is you can't believe him, there's no way you can convict Mr. Walker you'll, you'll hear what the facts are. But well, anyway, uh, the prosecutors, frankly, I think they did a much better, better job uh, of trying the case than, than my lawyers did. Out of the ten trades that I made, there were four trades in those ten trades I made that were suspicious looking. And if you didn't understand the background detail in those trades, you know, uh, you know I, I could see if those questions weren't answered how someone could think there was something there. But the guy who was alleged all these things, they caught him in 25 lives. I'd owned this stock off alone for 10 years. And there was nothing I did with this stock that I hadn't done with 100 other stocks, including the amount of money I invested. Uh, I owned this stock for 10 years. I never shorted this stock for one time. This guy was on the, on the board of another publicly traded company at the same time, a company called Affirmative Insurance. I sold my last 500,000 shares of stock in that company, for one cent after he went bankrupt. And this man's supposed to be giving me inside information. So anyway, that's what the facts were in retrospect, like I said, and 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 you haven't know, asked me this, but I, here's what I really think happened. You know, I was portrayed uh, to the jury. I, I was a wealthy guy from Las Vegas who had a private airplane who had multiple homes and uh, they didn't know me. I, I never got up, I never testified. They never understood me, my background or how I got to where I got to. and. I think there was a certain amount of resentment there because, again, I was a wealthy guy. I had a private airplane and multiple homes, Uh, regardless of how I got them. uh, there were just I I think there was some of that also uh, that was probably
2: involved. Uh, Billy, one word to describe Phil Mickelson. You have one word. I know it's a tough spot, but what what word you going with? Disingenuous. Really? Okay. Uh, How much money did uh, did you take from Phil? I really didn't take any money from Phil.
0: Phil and I made money together. Uh, we were partners betting sports, and we made money as until the bookmakers cut us off. And then, right. uh, uh, you know, how Phil, much did
2: Phil make off of you, Billy?
0: Well, that part I don't know. I mean, he might have made—I'm um, just guessing I don't know, a couple million
2: bucks or something. But I, I don't—I don't know the exact number. But you guys were winning so much as a team that the bookmaker started to cut you off, is what you're saying.
0: Well, what happened? He had these accounts before before I started betting the accounts. And I thought I understood his pattern because he explained it to me. But later on, after the fact, uh, what I learned was his pattern, he was making a lot more bets than I originally thought. And he was doing some things that, you know, a bookmaker could recognize the difference between what he was doing and what I was doing. I kept the, we kept the accounts for, I don't know, six, eight months. And then finally the bookmakers told him, you know, we're, cutting these, we're closing these accounts down. But if you want to come back and start betting this, you're welcome to any time. And and, and he did uh, after after we discontinued our partnership with those two bookmakers. He opened up an account with another bookmaker that he'd had for some period of time that was a dormant one after we lost those two. And we continued on with our partnership.
2: Fascinating stuff. Uh, New book, Gambler Secrets from a Life at Risk, uh, Billy Walters, who is the Michael Jordan of gambling, uh, joining us here on Stupidity. A final question for you because we are amateur gamblers, we are bad. I buy hooks when it's one and a half just to get it down to one, and then I pick the team by eight, as Billy uh, pointed out earlier. Your best bet, like season totals, wins, team to the Super Bowl, Billy Walters' two best bets headed into the NFL season.
0: Well, uh, again, as I go into the book and, and, uh, to me, it's all about value, and I do handicapping. And, and the way it works with me Stu, is, I, I, you know, I, I come up with a prediction of my own, and I bet my opinion against the bookmaker's opinion. And uh, I, I, you know, I, what the two best bets are, I can't tell people in general what their two best bets are because, I mean, that uh, you know, I don't, you know, that's not just what I do. I don't sell picks, and I'm not trying to hustle people. So, uh, uh, all I would tell you is. Do your homework and a couple other things, uh, uh, Stu. To me, if you're betting sports, uh, I think you know you need to set aside how much money you can uh, afford to 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 bet. You know, you need to come up with a, a betting strategy. Uh, you need to come up, you know, follow the money management system and uh, and and don't chase losses because you're a loser. I mean, don't don't. Uh, let your emotions take over because you lost three games on Sunday you like and there's one Sunday night you got no opinion at all but you're stuck and, and you're going to double up catch up so that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that will really get you in trouble and uh,
2: Billy you have never after a long Saturday of losing you've never bet the Hawaii rainbows because I'm telling you you haven't lived unless you've done it I mean
0: <laughs> I have bet on the Hawaii rainbows a lot of times and I've been up real late at night watching the bowls, but I never did it because I was a loser. You
2: actually liked the game,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah, I liked liked the game, and uh, the the bowls were fun to
2: watch. Yeah. All right, Billy, we appreciate the time. It's a fascinating story. Uh, On the way out here, please promote your book. Sell the book. Why should people buy this? Thank you. You're, you guys
0: are my kind of guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Billy? <laughs> well, I, well, well, I mean, you actually know, you know what you're talking about. You guys yeah. are cool guys, and, uh, and you're a lot of fun to be with.
2: Thank uh, you. Well, well, we appreciate that. Feel better. Gambler, Secrets from a Life at Risk, uh, Billy Walters. You've done a tremendous job selling this book, okay? Because I, like, I don't read, but I'm kind of into this, okay? So uh, <laughs> excellent job by you, sir. Feel better. We appreciate the time. Thank you,
0: Stu. Good luck to you guys.
2: premium regular beer.